Another episode of the Float Universe podcast. I've been holding on to this episode for a while because I, I truly wanted to be sober when I released it. I wanted to maintain that frequency I was trying to have with her, with Betty. As you'll hear going forward, I was a couple weeks sober and into planning this episode. And this was back in April. So this was months ago we recorded this. And I had gone a couple weeks and then I had failed. I had uh, regressed back into my stoner lifestyle but now it's about a month and a half it's november 19th as this pre-recording here to the episode just a little intro which you're gonna hear but i did want to state that i am sober again it's been a month and a half i'm not i don't need congratulations i just wanted to let you know that it is worth it and it was through no you know real effort of my own through circumstance moving shitty access to shitty weed just being over it in general, and uh, and I guess grace too. You know, like I just for whatever reason, it was just finally able to just walk away on its own. So I'm very thankful for that. Who knows if I'll ever be back? I made a promise to myself to not go back until I'd really gotten to a place where I was very happy and satisfied with my life, and then maybe one day have a puff again. And 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 again, I'd like to grow it myself. See, that'd be another uh, milestone. To that, that was my big issue with weed as I quit recently it was just too many chemicals it was THCA because I live in a non-legal state now it's just it was a mess so if I do smoke again I want to make sure that I've grown it I know what's in it same thing with the food situation I'm doing right now I'm trying to get closer and closer to clean food clean eating knowing where it came from and uh, so that's the same thing I'm going to try to do with weed if I ever go back so we'll see how long this lasts I hopefully it lasts a lifetime um, it's been great I look forward to more progress. You've been having lots more content. Hope you've been enjoying these I Can't Believe That's News episodes. The normal podcast, the Float Universe podcast, shall continue on Sundays. And then we're going to try to do an I Can't Believe That's News on Wednesdays. So just stay tuned for more of that stuff you like. And uh, enjoy this episode with Betty. You are enlightened. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe podcast. Hope you're doing all right out there. It's been quite a month for me. I uh, I thought I was going to have some good news this podcast, but unfortunately, I did not make it all the way to the 30 days of sobriety. I went on a little vacation and, you know, that's the whole point of this podcast, by the way, is to be honest. I can lie. 
I get on here and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're clean as a whistle. But I mean, it's weed. We could argue about that if it's drugs or not. But for me, it's obviously something that causes issues. So for me, I consider that an addiction. But that, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I know you were, you were congratulating me and I'm like kind of ducking it this morning. I'm like, eh, we'll talk about it. We'll save that. But just wanted to set that straight that I am not, I mean, I'm sober now. I mean, depending on how you define it, I haven't had a substance this morning. But um, in terms of like what we were talking about prior to this conversation, because we were supposed to do this last week and I dropped the ball, screwed up on the time. And uh, I thought I was going to keep pushing forward, but no, I went on a little vacation, had some fun. You know, I, I don't consider it too bad, but it did, you know, I, I can't claim, you know, 30 days clean. So we'll get back up and get back on it. Now, is it getting on the wagon or getting off the wagon when you're uh, getting sober? What's the term? You get on in the wagon when you're when you, getting sober. Okay. All right. Okay. Good to know. So let's, let's switch back gears to you. So I've known you for a while. Uh, we've had quite an odyssey online. I met you. I'm pretty sure it was on Tinder. And yes, it was, it was. You, you gave me a super like, and I was just flying around on my magic carpet. Uh, Cause you can do that on Tinder. If you pay a little bit extra, you can just go all around the country and see what's going on. And I was flying around, you know, New York's a great place for singles uh, by the way, but uh, lots of lonely single women out there up in New York city. But that's how I came across you. You sent me a super like, and I'm like, Oh, you follow the page. That's cool. But uh, yeah, you, I've seen the whole, journey like we'll get into that in a minute but i just want to give you a quick introduction so yeah we're doing the reflection of the audience this year and you've been a big part of my audience and uh you've helped a lot of people and i've watched up and down you know or down and up actually is what what it is now but it's really good to have you betty i knew you as a boogie betty when i first met you but now you're buddha betty how do you say your last- how do you how, how do you say your last name Guadagno, Betty Guadagno. Guadagno. Okay. I, I, I just wanted to make sure because uh, it's an interesting, what, what's the ethnic uh, background on that last name? It's Italian. That's what I thought. Yeah. So you're, you're a New York Italian. I am a, a New York Jewish Italian. Oh. Yes. Your mother's Best Jewish. of all the worlds. Lots of body hair. Oh, okay. Well, good to know. Uh, didn't know we had a member of the tribe here this evening. Oh, welcome. Yes. All right. Fantastic. So Betty, welcome to the flow universe. How are you tonight? Thank you so much. It's the day, but I appreciate you. <laughs> well, for the people that are listening, could be the- any time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. I try to keep it. Uh, but yes, for those that uh, want to know, it's never really usually recorded. And I try to some of the guests are across the world, uh, Australia, oh Europe. Oh my God, did I just blow up the whole illusion? I'm so no, sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's it okay. at night, sorry. It's okay. Well, you can obviously look and see that you're, uh, the, sun, the, the sun is shining, or you got really good natural light fixtures in your house, but well, welcome. It's been quite a journey for you. I don't know what level we can talk about because when I first met you, it was pretty interesting. I was like, I was kind of interested, but I'm like, you were doing Instagram lives from your shower, basically. I guess we can start there. Okay. Yes. Yes. I am a true product of alchemy. <laughs> so I used to have, yeah, and uh, my social media was all for um, soliciting myself. I was a sex worker and uh, a drug addict. And so I would be using uh, and trying to like get people to hop on to my hedonist bandwagon. Uh, and so that's where I, yeah, conducted a lot of my life. I wanted to document what my life was like. 
um, because I was so immersed in addiction, but I thought that it was just partying. So yeah, yeah, no, that was yeah. quite uh, an epic. And I almost was tempted to get on the train, the hedonistic uh, drug train. Because you were doing a lot of things I was doing at the time, uh, acid, and um, I'm sure you're maybe smoking weed, other psychedelics. Uh, I think you're all psychedelics. Definitely. Yeah. Also had a heroin addiction and a methamphetamine addiction, which probably caused a lot of that willingness to uh, just put myself out there like that. Meth will do that to a person. Well, that was the other thing too. It was it was uh, like I, I could tell you had like a. I didn't know it was meth and stuff, but like acid is an amphetamine type. Uh, MDMA is the same way where it's up, 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 go, go, go. You're always uh, needing that. So yeah, no, I was a tweaker. So, <laughs> so that, okay. So always like that. So how do you get from like this character that is on Instagram live in the shower, like fully nude, taking showers on Instagram live party lifestyle. You were trying to send me videos and stuff. And again, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, let's just see, see how you go here. Who are you? Let's find out. So how'd you get to, to that point? Like, wh what's your upbringing? What's your life story? Okay. Yeah. So how did I get to the point of like complete dereliction with drugs? Well, I think probably, well, you know, I think I was born that way and uh, I, I grew up in a family of addicts. And so it's just like a learned behavior. I experienced a lot of trauma in my life, which made drugs kind of like my security blanket. Cause it helped me not feel, um, sexual abuse as a small child, as an adolescent, as a young adult, you know, like all throughout my life, physical abuse, emotional abuse. My parents were both drug addicts. Um, in the height of the Oxycontin epidemic, my parents made a decision to commit suicide with one another. That was a huge trauma in my life. So when I lost my physical parents, drugs became my parents. They became the only constant in my life. I let go of relationships, jobs, homes, like any semblance of sanity for the greater good of using drugs because they were my best friend, my companion, you know, like they were the only thing that I thought understood me. And so my life in the end, like around when we met, which was about maybe five or six years ago, um, it was really like the end. That was like the that it was coming to an end, my active addiction. Um, you know, I had just become like a dumpster for drugs. I had always used opiates. Like it started with getting my wisdom teeth removed and the yeah, doctor. So, gave yeah. me, so it started, yeah. cause I heard a little bit in your other podcasts. It's like, you had a, you watched it as a child, like your parents use it to numb the pain. You kind of yeah. learned it as a tool. And then, so yeah, where does the, where do you get on the drug abuse train? Does that start with like what your wisdom teeth you said? Well, yeah, you know, like that's when I had drugs like for myself for the first mm -hmm. time. I think I drank and I smoked weed like as a teen, like, a, you know, like a 13 year old, like we would steal our friends, parents liquor, like my parents never kept liquor around, like it got drank as soon as it was around. But um, yeah, you know, like experimenting and stuff. And then I got my wisdom teeth taken out and the doctor over prescribed me medicine. And I was like, whoa, this is it. You know, like mm -hmm. this is that feeling like it feels like all the fractured pieces of yourself is glued back together with like this numbing euphoric feeling. And so that was it, you know, like my whole life just became getting more of that. And, you know, like I said, so that was like around the Oxycontin epidemic as well when I was like a teenager. Um, and so, yeah, they were, uh, there was always pills around always, always. And so that was what my life became. One day pills became heroin. Um, like much later in my life, like there was just no pills available. And so 
somebody told me that heroin does the same thing. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to shoot it because my cousin died from that. And they said, oh, you can just sniff it. And I was like, all right, cool. You know? And so Mm -hmm. then that became sort of my life and just degradation and isolation and loss of so much like of my life. Um, but I just couldn't see that it was the drugs. I always thought that it was something else. Oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that place. Oh, it's that thing. There's no way that it's the drugs. It can't be the drugs. Drugs are my best friend. My best friend would never do mm-hmm. that to me, you know, but it was a one-sided friendship. Well, yeah, but the thing is, and I'm sure this is, you know, I mean, I obviously kind of know it's the case with you. We, we don't usually just use drugs to use drugs. It's usually for escapism whether it's mental, physical, spiritual, or all of it, you know, all pain really in general. For me, as an example, the reason I continue to use weed and part of the back slippage was physical, like literal physical pain, you know, so I don't use any other drugs for pain, but that's always been my go-to. Now, more extreme drugs like heroin and and, uh, fentanyl, cocaine, stuff like that, harder street drugs. Usually you find people using those because they're in pain, they're broken somehow, mentally, physically, spiritually, like I said. So I mean, obviously you said you lost your parents. What what age was that, that they decided to? It's 23. When my parents committed suicide, my sister was 18. We found them. Um, it was very traumatic. And I just, yeah, what you were just saying, I don't even know if it's about painful feelings. It's about any feeling, you know, like, because when you think about people celebrate, right, people like congratulate themselves and other people by using alcohol or by partying. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like, why would you need to use a drug, you know, like to numb that feeling? Like, isn't that a good feeling? Like, is it enhancing the feeling? Does it not? Does it enhance pain? It might somewhere in there do all of those things, you know, but our society is, uh, you know, one of of medicating and sedated people are over caffeinated people are overstimulated. you know like there's so many things that go on in our collective to step onto a different path takes a lot of courage and bravery so you know even though you didn't make it to your milestone just ha- it doesn't mean that you lost that experience you know like you still had a couple weeks of oh, stepping yeah. away from that and that's that's huge you know that's really a, a huge milestone it's an accomplishment well thank you and, and again i i I, I get heat from this all the time online. People are like, oh, weed isn't hard drug. It's not heroin. It's not, uh, you know, I've actually been on a similar drug to heroin. I'm not going to get into that when I was younger and I got in a situation. I was able to get myself off of that a lot easier than I've been able to ex- extricate myself from this weed situation. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not about like I know people have issues with sugar, caffeine, pornography, gambling. Addiction is addiction. Um, but we're specifically talking about drugs like sugar is a huge one that everybody's addicted to. Not everybody, but most people, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't even they wouldn't even know it. They wouldn't even classify it as an addiction. So, wh- what we're really talking about is like, yeah, anything that can cause you to, you know, step out of alignment from what I consider to be God's like purpose right. and path. Yeah. So that, for me, the same thing. You know, like I, I can see it in hindsight. I couldn't see it while I was in it, but it's about my connection to source. You know, like. I want to numb and sedate and medicate because I believe that I'm separated from my creator. That's like what my ego wants me to believe that I'm not one with. And so I medicate and sedate those feelings of separation, but I'm not actually separated. I am one with my creator with source. Right. Well, I have another uh, theory, which is, you know, drugs are just like any other frequency. For example, with marijuana, if you're, below the frequency of marijuana in general as a person to smoke, it would bring you up. It makes you high, obviously. Now, I, I think people reach a certain point 
where they vibrationally are actually higher than the marijuana and to use it would actually cause them to, to go down. Like they, it brings them down. You know, you don't, you don't get as high as anymore if you get high at all. So did you, did you notice that with drugs? Like that's always my issue with any drug is, is you've got to really, it's always, you know, you're chasing the dragon. And I mean, I've never been caught up in a situation with, with heavy hardcore street drugs where I'm chasing these things down. But I mean, I know, I know what it's like to be an addict and to have the racing thoughts and the, mm-hmm. the body responding a certain way. I'm right. always surprised too, at, especially like with you, like watching you initially, how much abuse people can put themselves through like over and over and over again. And then the beautiful part is, which is the, the other thing I believe it's two, two parts. Like, like you can change, you can totally 180 flip and be a different person. And I also think, and this is a theory, maybe you can expound on this a little bit that when a drug addict or, you know, when somebody reaches some kind of milestone, they shift whatever direction, you know, hopefully a positive one, but for your, your case, uh, a drug addict, right? So you shift out of that and then God pours a blessing on you. I, I feel like in a way, and, and I don't know how to really put it except to say it that way, that you get rewarded uh, by God, by the universe through, you know, shifting your energy into hard work and coming to terms and, you know, letting go of people or things or, so did that happen to you? I mean, let's go back before we get into that, though. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. So you're doing all these drugs. You're on Instagram Live. Um, you're partying. You've reached this kind of end game here with it. Like, what, what, what's the breaking point? What happened? Why'd you stop? I died. I died. <laughs> oh, okay. I died. Uh, yeah, I, ha- I ended up overdosing. I overdosed on hallucinogens. Didn't know that could happen. Me neither. <laughs> well, well, what, 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 what hallucinogen? I, well, you know, I had like a very big drug log like that I did every day. So every day, no matter what, it was heroin, methamphetamine, LSD. That was every day for about two years. That was like my, my go-to recipe right. just to get me started. Um, on top of that, I was using ketamine and, and somebody had given me a capsule of straight psilocin, which is the oh, active yeah. psilocybin, yep. which is magic mushrooms. And, you know, like I opened up the capsule, I dipped my finger in it. I had like maybe three granules of this, whatever this was inside Mm -hmm. this capsule. I licked my finger and I was in outer space. It was like a full blown mushroom trip. So I decided that it would be a good idea to eat the whole capsule, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though I knew that just by taking a very small amount of it was like, you know, it was, was its own psychedelic adventure. So yeah, I, I took, I took a whole capsule of this, of this drug and I ended up having, now I have some language for it, but I had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what Kundalini energy is, that's okay. Neither did I. Kundalini energy is described as life force energy. Different cultures have different names for it. Kundalini is an Eastern term. In the Western world, we might call it receiving the Holy Spirit. So I had this activation of all of my chakras and um, it was like very physically jarring. My body was vibrating and convulsing. And when my third eye and my crown got opened and activated, my spirit shot into eternity. And I went into the space that the same space that near death experiencers describe. So I had a near death like experience and that's really the transformative tool that sent me onto a different path. And I want to comment on what you were saying about God rewarding you. God is not condemning. God does not punish. Like the universe does not do that. We do that. Like I am my own condemnation. Like the universe is only reacting to the energy that I'm putting into it. So if my thoughts are I'm impoverished, I'm a prostitute, I'm a drug addict, the law of attraction hears me and it responds. 
She is a prostitute. She is impoverished. She is a drug addict. Now, if I change my thoughts, I change my world. I am an abundant individual. I am in, I am in re- recovery. I have a beautiful spiritual community that supports me. And that is what my reality becomes. So it's not about like, I'm rewarding myself or like, you know, like my energy responds to itself. It's not, there is no like condemnation. Like God is not this punishing dualistic God that we've been programmed to believe. God is nothing but benevolent love. I definitely can agree with that from my own experience. Good luck explaining that to a lot of people though. I mean, um, well, I don't need to explain it to anybody. It's what I believe. And that's what my universe is. And I'm surrounded by people who also believe that. And that's, you know, this is my own little universe. Like you have your own little universe and I choose where my energy goes. I can't expend it in places where it's not meant to be, you know, like everybody has their own journey. Everyone will come into awakening. It's inevitable. If it's happened to me, it's literally, it's going to happen to anybody. Like, you know, there are no words. You saw who I was before. There are no words to explain the kind of depraved animal I was before my awakening. But I know that if it's happening to me, it's going to happen for everybody. And it's part of the downloads of information that I received as well, that we're in the midst of the great awakening and every living conscious being will awaken whether we have something to do with it or not, like we don't have to do anything. It's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Again, like this is what I find so spectacular about your story is the, what I've saw. And then before, before and after really for me, it's like, wow, like, you know, like, and, and again, not to, I don't know how to put it, but you're like really deep in it. Like you were really deep in it. I'm like, well, who is this character? Cause I mean, it was almost like watching a train wreck in a way. I'm like, this is, Oh just, Yeah. Yes, what, what is she going to say today? What is she going to do? What, you know, what drug is she going to be on? Like, it was just right. pure, pure. I mean, just honestly, just pure entertainment for, for me at that point. Uh, hoping that and I, I see this with a lot of people. I'm like, man, I hope like they turn the corner. And I, I've, I've seen a lot of it seems. And I, I've noticed this over the past few days. So I went back recently and went through my Instagram, really going and looking at who I'm following, what's going on here. And a lot of these people have a lot, they've died. Like, I don't know if they killed themselves or what happened, but I know a lot of these mean people were drug addicts, but it seems to be, it's interesting that the the women shift and heal more times than not that I've discovered, but the men off themselves. So congratulations, because I know like not everybody gets out of the, the battlefield of being, you know, that heavily into that world too. It's, It's not just drugs. It's the people, it's the lifestyle. You have to extricate yourself fully. So you have this experience with drugs. You're on, that's what I always like was when the drugs kind of tell you it's time to time to maybe do something exactly else. Exactly what happened. Yeah. Drugs broke up with me. It was mm-hmm. so sad. It was so sad. But yeah, you know, I had this experience in heaven and, um, you know, I was a, a militant atheist before I had my spiritual experience experience. And, you know, I was taking a lot of psychedelics. I well, didn't so- know that an end result of taking psychedelics was spiritual awakening. Cause I had never, really. I didn't oh. know. I had no idea. I just knew that they made me feel groovy that they made me feel really smart. It was the first time in my life that I was ever using my brain. I had Mm -hmm. never used it before. And so I just continued to use it because I continued to use psychedelics because they made me feel smart. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had this experience in heaven where there was two messages that were very loud and clear. One was you have to go back to earth, big time bummer. The other was you have to stop using drugs. And yeah, I just thought like, whoa, I like, I'm so high that drugs are breaking up with me. This is crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, there were some other things that came through my, in my spiritual experience. I was taken through my pre-birth planning in my spiritual experience. I was shown that I, as a soul, had designed my human life before I had ever come into form. I chose everything, all the adversity. I, I chose my parents, the family line that I would be born into, the double suicide of my parents, to be an addict, my, you know, to be impoverished, like all of this adversity and hardship that I had gone through, I had chosen every single level of it. And so, and, and I had also chosen some stuff in my life that hadn't happened yet, like spiritual awakening, overcoming, recovery. You could see um, the future stuff too. I could see the future stuff as well, but none of that had happened. So it didn't really resonate to me, you know? Yeah. And, um, and they told me that, yeah, I signed up for this mission to come to earth. I chose a very contrasted life for specific reasons. And they showed me all the reasons why they told me all about the great awakening that I'm a spiritual warrior sent here on a mission. The first half of my life was boot camp, And the second half of my life would be carrying out my mission and it was time to go back. And I was like, no, thank you. I will watch the show from up here. I am not going back. Earth is a dumpster fire. You don't tell us what it's actually going to be like. There's no way I'm going back. You cannot make me go back. And they told me that if I refused to go back into the body that I just came from, that I would be born into a new body, not into, not as a punishment, just because I hadn't balanced the life that I had signed Mm -hmm. up to live. And so the baby that I would be born into, she would have a lot of similar experiences that I would have, that I had in this life, plus deeper levels of societal adversity because I had to start from zero. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. uh, You know, it's, uh, it's just for me, I totally can get behind that for my own personal experience. I agree. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't agree. My issue with it is try telling that to somebody who has a shit life, right? Oh, I, you chose this life ahead of time. And I but do it, have, I did have a shit life. I, I know, but, 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 but you transcended, you got to the realization and I'll try telling that to people who didn't get there or their parents or their friends. They didn't get, they loved it. They love hearing that. Oh, that's great. But wait a minute, my mom, my dad chose this shitty life where they were abused and they abused me and they never came to any kind of real reconciliation at the end of their life, at least to their knowledge. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, we really don't know this, like the secret lives of people and what really goes on if they're saved or helped or in pain or suffering, whatnot. But I I, I love it. I agree. Like I've never had that experience, but I can say from my own personal experience that, you know, reincarnation, I think is a possibility 100%. But it's, it's just like, Oh, but you chose this life where your parents are going to kill themselves and you, and I get that, like you front loaded your life with all this. Um, Cause I think the human experience is really mo- mostly about emotion. Like otherwise like emotions are kind of pointless outside of the context of living in this life. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have to be here for something. And so yeah, all that emotional work you did in the beginning now has set you up, I think, to do what you're doing now, which is, and again, like this is the, the beauty of what I've seen, which is complete in the gutter to out, standing upright clean and like your your proof that it's possible i think that's the most important thing because a lot of people struggle with just you know they don't they don't think it's even possible that they can have such a dramatic shift yeah um i i keep hearing you talk about like all these other people that you hold in this vision that they will never transform and i just i will remind you again about the law of attraction that if you affirm that that will be your reality like 
that's not my reality. My reality, I'm around lots of people who are willing and able to transform. Right, right. I affirm it and I surround myself in that vibration. So like if you keep saying people are never going to get it, people are asleep, this and that, then the universe hears you and says, okay, people in his universe are asleep. People in his universe are never going to get it. So like it's really about changing the thought system. And the thing about being downloaded with the pre-birth plan and, and, you know, like how challenging it is for some people to accept it. Listen, there's some things in human life that are unfathomable, like children dying, uh, the Holocaust, like big major wars where millions of people die, genocide, things like that. Like these are things that we, as a human, I can't fathom why someone would pick that, right? Even in my own life, I can't fathom why I would choose to have my parents both like ditch me on earth, you know, like, or that their suffering was so intense that they thought that their only way out was to kill themselves. But being downloaded with this belief, it's as if two tons of bondage has been released from my soul. And like, I realize that I'm not a victim to my circumstance. I'm actually a divine co-creator of my reality. Things no longer happen to me. They happen for me because on a soul level, I have chosen it for the involvement of myself. My human, this ego cannot understand how these things equal evolvement, but my soul knows. And I just have to trust and have faith that that's what's happening. And that's why it's happening. Even the things that happen in our collective, all of these souls signed up for these specific things. I cannot see why, because I have a little human mind, but my soul understands and the infinite understands. And I just have to trust and have faith that everything is working in divine right order as it always has. I, I again, I a hundred percent agree with like reality creation and, and reality is downstream from the mind a still calm mind, you know, uh, your thoughts, your energy, all this stuff. I'm right there on board with it. My whole thing is just trying to, reconcile my own spiritual upbringing my own personal experiences which i you know are the are the i think the core of anybody's spiritual belief system and then reconciling it with you know parent parents that believe in certain things or friends or christians orthodox christians or uh hindus like i think that there's a universal thing right totally i i, I get it i i got the psychedelic message i'm trying to live it just as much as you are so I don't disagree. My, my whole thing, I'm just trying to say, I'm just, I agree. Like, oh yeah, if you, you put it a reality where nobody's going to listen to you or they don't believe, or they can't trend, you're going to attract that. I, I totally, I'm, I'm right there with it. Um, so I don't, I don't disagree. It's just, again, like people will be like, oh, this isn't a Christian message. You know, like that, that's, that's really what I'm worried about is it's a good message and people's belief systems will, uh, you know, exclude them. You know, it's like a filter they're wearing and it says, Oh, I, I can't hear this message because, you know, reincarnation or the law of attraction isn't, it, it's not part of my Christian theology, even though I could make an argument that it is potentially in the Bible that Jesus does talk about these things. This is always my thing, which is trying to reconcile uh, my experience, other people's experience. And then what is the, you know, the absolute truth. And I, I agree. I, I think God is an indifferent electromagnetic field that is just, truth bliss consciousness it's just mm. like it's just hard to explain but you've been there you get it but you haven't been there you know I, I say explore it so with all the psychedelics you've done all the drugs you've done you so you're laying there and you're doing the the, the mushroom uh the, the synthesized mushroom capsule you've taken the whole thing are you alone 
Um, I wasn't laying anywhere. I went out to go do my laundry after I took this dose because <laughs> I thought, oh, I might as well be wavy for some mundane human mm-hmm. task. So I was like out of my home. <laughs> I was in the laundromat and I realized that like something very profound was happening to me as I rushed home. Like the whole fabric of reality was crashing around me. The whole world got washed in white light. All the buildings crumbled to the ground. All that was left of so them. This is, was- a, this is an open eye trip. Oh yeah. Open eye all the way. Yeah. Yeah. All the buildings around me crumbled to the ground and all that was left of them was the green lines of matrix code that make them up. I finally made it back to my house after feeling like I was running in a loop. And um, yeah, you know, like the the whole thing happened, like it took like eight hours that that's how long my, my trip was. It was like around eight hours because when it started, it was light. And when it ended, it was dark, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, you know, like it was such a profound experience. Um, and and really, it doesn't it doesn't even really matter like what the experience was. It's led me to so much universal truth. And after like I came back from my experience, the universe made it possible for me to get onto a different path because it was my end timeline. I had to do it now. Like the great awakening is well underway. Like this is the time you need to stand in your light. Your light is needed. And um, like all of these divine synchronicities started to happen, like all the drug dealers that I had been dealing with for over a decade, all simultaneously decided to change their lives and stop selling drugs, like people that did not know each other. I would call up a dealer. I'd be like, hey, man, what's good? He'd be like, listen, I found Jesus. I want to be a good father. I'm out of the game. I'm like, okay, weird. Click. Call up another guy. Same identical story. But these dudes didn't know each other. I mean, like, you know, the universe has a plan and like, all I have to do is just surrender to the plan and my life gets real manageable. But when I'm trying to swim against the current, oh man, it's, it's just tragedy. Oh yeah. Now that's a very common phenomenon I experience on a daily basis, which is frequency shift causes reality shift. So you, like I said before, talking about like my pre or post marijuana, you know, like before I smoke marijuana, I'm low. I, I smoke marijuana, it gets me high. Now I smoke marijuana, it brings me down. I've shifted. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, like I've noticed, like it's a direct effect with reality when you shift anything, drugs, your mind, uh, a relationship. A good example is when I fix my spine, a lot of things in my life immediately shifted that were, you know, things that were that were kind of spineless. I was upholding relationships where I didn't have a spine. And as soon as I fixed my spine, again, through like floating in DMT, boom, a lot of these things just ended. So yeah, you, I think you had a very powerful frequency, sh- ugh, very powerful frequency shift that uh, caused a cascading event in your reality. And, and yeah, they don't know it or not, but it's all related to that one change. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, I know how hard it's been for me to kick weed and most people wouldn't even consider that addictive. How do you, like, do you get some kind of grace? Do you get, does God just wash it away? Do you have any addiction issues? Okay. You have the revelation. I need to clean up my life. I need to stop doing these things. How easy is it to clean up or is it, was it difficult? Do you struggle? Oh yeah. It's very, very challenging. It's a whole different way of life. I needed to completely reprogram the motherboard of my computer. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's not just like, okay, I say bye to you. Like, like I said, you know, especially 
drugs were my whole life. Drugs and alcohol were my whole identity. I'm actually covered in tattoos of like liquor bottles and packs of cigarettes. It's like very embarrassing now that my life is completely different, but like, it really was my whole lifestyle. I thought that I was some kind of party girl. Like this was, this was how I was going to live and die, you know, like, um, and it was very challenging to reprogram. I, I got clean by way of a long-term uh, therapeutic community, a long-term rehab here in Brooklyn where I live. And um, I stayed there for 17 months. I know, totally psychotic. I didn't have a cell phone or a computer for a year and a half, I, but I had an insatiable thirst for knowledge. It was the first time that my mind was clear. And so I had to read books to learn things. It was very archaic. I felt like a caveman. Um, but you know, like that's where I found all, I read every spiritual text, every sacred text that I could get my hands on every book about metaphysics and the law of attraction. I wanted to educate myself about the true nature of reality. And, um, and I got to do that in a safe, secure place where I couldn't run out and use behind my feelings. But you know, like when I let go of drugs, there was an ocean of feelings waiting to be had. I had been running from my grief. Mm -hmm. I had been running from my life. You know, not only the grief of my parents, but like, you know, the fact that I had lost my own life over and over and over again, you know, like everything that I built crumbled to the ground over and over and over again. And so there was just tidal waves of grief and confusion and embarrassment just waiting for me. And so thank God I was someplace safe, like an inpatient, because I, I really needed to be able to feel those feelings and not be able to run out and use behind them. Mm -hmm. how, how do you afford um, I mean, Medicaid, my baby? And... no, oh, okay. the government paid for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't good. have anything. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know, there's help out there. You know, like you don't have to, you know, even if you don't, don't have insurance, like they'll help you get insurance in America. I'm talking about. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting again, this correlation between like men seeking help, you know, like versus women, it, it, it seems like men would just rather kill themselves than, uh, than seek help. And I find that men with serious substance abuse issues, they often are, they don't like, men in general don't like asking for help. I feel like as Anybody a general, does. Well, sure. women, women are a little less, uh, to be like that. Like, men can be a little bit more independent. Like men don't want to go to a doctor, right? That's just kind of a, a man thing, at least in my experience of dealing with men and me being a man, I'd rather not know, you know? Um, so good for you for well, I mean, that, yeah, this was I don't, not, I don't like I to ask for help. That's the other thing. I don't, I don't, even if I'm drowning, like I'll just, just let me drown. I don't, that's good. Did you like ask for help or this was of, not something that I did willingly? Like, again, my whole life was using my whole life was one way. Like this was something that the universe made me do. I did right. not come into this process willingly. This was a forced shift. This was a forced surrender. I did not want this for myself. I was perfectly content living and dying the way that I was. Um, but, you know, the universe had something else in store for me, as it does for all of us, you know. Um, yeah, my my help came in this really divine way. I, I, I found myself on a train. I had no destination. I just, like, couldn't be in my house anymore. I felt like it was killing me. And um, I'm sitting on this train, totally broken, lost, confused. And a man appears across from me and he's wearing a 12-step fellowship necklace. And I hear this voice in my head and it says, that's your path, follow him to a meeting. And, and I asked him if I could go with him. And I kept going to meetings over the next couple of days because that's one of the suggestions in 12 steps is to start to, you know, like get in the habit of going to meetings. 
And um, I found myself in this big, huge, gigantic meeting, 75 people in the room. And I happened to be sitting right next to the program director of this long-term rehab. And I just knew that it was a divine sign and that I had to ask her for help to get onto a different path. But I didn't know how to ask for help because nobody has ever taught me how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like in my mind's eye, I can see like this little version of myself. She's like punching the air. She's like doing jumping jacks. She's like, come on, we can do it. You can do this. Just ask. You can ask for help. And um, after the meeting ended, I walked over to where this woman was sitting to ask her to help me. And she was gone. She left early. And so I had like all this hyped energy for nothing. And I felt totally defeated. And so with my head hanging, I walked to the bus to go home. And when I stepped onto the bus, that woman was sitting right there. She left the meeting early and was somehow on the exact same bus as me. I ran up to her totally manic. Oh my God, this is totally divine. I want to talk to you in there, but you're already gone. Now here you are. Oh my goodness. I think God sent you to me. Can you help me? You're an angel. Please, please, please. Will you help me? And she said, yeah, we can help you come by tomorrow. We have a bed. And that sentence changed my life. And without my permission, again, like I really didn't want to do this, but I just knew that every cell in my body was screaming for me to transform. And, um, and my life was just going to get more chaotic and crazy if I, if I refused the call to adventure, you know, like this is my hero's journey. And I refused the call over and over and over again. And as soon as I just stepped onto the path of the mission of the journey, man, my life just started to flow, you know, I, and there's lots of trials and tribulations. I still deal with things with other aspects of addiction. You know, like when I let go of drugs, I developed a, a bunch of eating disorders, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's layers. Like I'm peeling an onion away of, of why I don't want to be infinitely connected to my source. You know, like I feel like the unworthiness, you know, like how am I worthy of benevolent grace? Mm -hmm. And so those moments when I feel unworthy, I want to medicate and sedate myself, whether it's with food, with men, with binge watching TV, with masturbating, with sex, with drugs, with alcohol, anything that I can get my hands on just to not feel. And, um, you know, so like for me, it's been in layers, like getting, yeah, getting each addiction surrendering it, turning it over to a power greater than myself and just being willing and open-minded to how that help comes to me. Fantastic. I'm still here. Fantastic. Um, so with psychedelics being, I guess, the linchpin to this new world you're in, a lot of people I've discovered will look back on their psychedelic journey and almost disrespect it, almost like, eh, you know, I, it's drugs, it's illegal. I shouldn't have done that. Maybe they helped, maybe they didn't. Um, what do you think? Do you think, could, would you recommend psychedelic treatment for people? Would you say avoid it? Where, where are you at with this? I believe that psychedelics have been put here as like a cheat code to the game. I don't think that you need psychedelics to get mm -hmm. onto the spiritual journey, but I do think that for some people, it's part of their path. For me, you know, the only way that I've uh -oh. And the come into spiritual awareness was, was through drugs because 
just all of the twists and turns that my life had taken. Like it mm -hmm. was the only way that I was going to wake up was through them. I'm not going to claim that truth for everybody. And I don't advocate for anybody to go and overdose on psychedelics um, because it might not be the same experience, you know, right? Yeah. everybody has their own journey. I, I really, and you know, I, be, I believe in the power of plant medicine. I truly do. I know that psychedelics changed my life. And I know that they can change other people's lives. My ex-husband went and did Ibogaine to get off of, of heroin. And he became this beautiful artist. This is one of his pieces of art behind me. Like he didn't even know what paint was before his experience with the medicine. And it really does help. And I have wonderful friends in psychedelic communities. I go to a psychedelic recovery group. Um, that's based out of San Francisco, San, San Francisco Psychedelic Society. They're wonderful. They have beautiful recovery groups. You know, and um, and I believe and I advocate for um, plant medicine. It's not part of my journey anymore. Like it did its purpose and that's it. You know, like I don't use any mood and mind altering chemicals anymore. I don't even drink caffeine anymore. Um, but yeah, you know, like I advocate for for people to look into psychedelic therapy. I don't recommend doing it the way that I did, you know, like right. in the pit of desperation or anything. But I do think that there are healing benefits to it, you know, like Yeah. Well, you know, I still sit on the fence here because I do think they have tremendous value. I think God put them here for a reason, especially, you know, like my theory is, and it's a kind of a Terrence McKenna theory. The drugs that have been here for 5,000 plus years that we have historical knowledge of taking, like ayahuasca, mushrooms, marijuana, basically plants, you know, LSD, MDMA, 50, 60, 70 years old, some of these drugs, we don't really know, you know, long term what this has, uh, you know, what's the effect on the species. So there's kind of a general safety rule there. Just do the plant ones, right? I love LSD. I think you do too, or you did. Um that was a good, it's a good one, but it's, I think LSD is a mind thing. You know, like if you can meditate and stuff, like it's a powerful thing. And a lot of people take LSD once and they never do it again. They get it. Once you get it. I mean, really there is a psychedelic understanding that a lot of people listening will understand. I don't even have to put in words like you get it, like serve man, like everything Jesus is talking about. It's all true. Like be good to eat one. Each, we're all the same. We're all one, blah, blah, blah. You get it. Um, yeah. My issue is like, I think they can still help a lot of people. Like my theory with consciousness is like people wake up a few different ways. Unfortunately, most people wake up through pain, right? They get in a car accident, somebody leaves them, they almost die. You know, some form of pain brings them out of like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Or, you know, I lost this person. I don't want to lose the next person. And they change. I think some people are thick like consciously, like there, there's like uh like layers to your consciousness. And, and I, you know, I can't really explain it, but a thickness to it. And I was very thick, right? I, I wanted to be a good boy and have good intentions. I tried the right way, but my consciousness was very thick. And uh, I was very much enjoying the hedonistic material world, not to the extent that you were, but uh, I definitely was having my fun, but it was there. It was an emptiness to it, obviously. And uh, it's always, you're chasing a dragon. It's expensive. It's just, it leads nowhere ultimately. Um, but yeah, I still sit here and, and want to defend these things. So I'm, I'm not, I, I kind of like on the fence again, like I said earlier, I just don't know what to tell people, Like you could have the Brian Wilson experience of doing a bunch of drugs and going crazy. Right. right? You know, like for everybody that says you should do drugs, they changed my life. I know a handful of, uh, you know, almost the exact number of people that say ayahuasca is just demonic. It's evil. I saw nasty shit. It, it fucked my life up. My friend jumped out of a window. So yeah, I have a hard time defending these things a lot of times. And you're 100% right. You don't need 
any substance, you know, to, to come into that state of being, uh, you know, a lot of times it's through grace. Like you'll have a peak spiritual experience out of nowhere. You know, it wasn't induced by trauma or drugs. All right. We're going to take a little break here with Betty. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with Betty. You can find her on Instagram, Buddha Betty. Check her out. Welcome back. Oh, uh, hi. Okay. Now, have you had a peak spiritual experience with no substances? Absolutely. Every day of like? my life is a spiritual experience today, you know, mm-hmm. um, like tangible ones that I can talk about, you know, like just being so overwhelmed with with um, gratitude that like, you know, it causes just like this overwhelming emotion of like tears and uh, you know, like seeing the light again. And 
Um, I've been able, I've been blessed to like do some regression therapy as well. And, you know, I think what you were talking about, you know, as far as like, nobody needs to advocate for anything, you know, like that doesn't feel like my purpose is to advocate for anything. Well, you know, well, 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 let me just say that being, I mean, I don't know why I'm here, but God put me here to talk about these things, my experience with them and and be honest, like, okay, jerk off, don't jerk off, drink your piss, don't drink your piss. Let's find out about it. You know, for some people it works, some people it doesn't. Let's find out. And so I know that for a lot of people who are seeking God, there's proponents and opponents on both sides, obviously, of this argument. Oh, do them. You'll see God. You'll escape the matrix. Or you go deeper into it. Like one of the thoughts is you take LSD and it's not taking you anywhere, but deeper into the dream you're already in. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, well, am I, am I trapping these people deeper in samsara? Like, is, is, am I taking them deeper in their dream or am I, or am I helping them liberate? So as a spiritual teacher, these things are always going to be there. They've been there since the beginning of time. I think they were in the Bible many times over different parts of the Bible, the acacia tree, the magic mushrooms. So I think that there is a reason God put them there. Um, and yeah, it, it, maybe I won't be an advocate or, uh, you know, sitting on this sideline here, trying to help people make these calls, but just like you don't feel called to do it and you feel, you know, to go where that takes you, which is awesome. I still feel compelled to keep asking these questions. Like I see like this DMT racist is, is it evil? Do you think psychedelics are evil? No, I think that the ego can manipulate us into thinking anything is evil. Like I heard somebody say the other day that like a vegan diet would be, you know, like the worst thing that you could do for your body, you know, or like eating clean or eating organic or, you know, like there's so many manipulations, you know? And so I really think that like the main thing to advocate for is to people, for people to dial in to their inner guidance. Listen, Mm -hmm. not only some people have this guidance, we all have access to it. And these are some of the societal constructs that are dismantling, you know, like you were talking about organized religion before, like those constructs are dismantling. People are seeking their own spiritual journey now because why do we think that only like people that are have a hierarchy in organized religion have access to God? Like, why wouldn't we all have access to God? Mm-hmm. So oh, I think yeah. really dialing into your own inner guidance to find out what is my path? Where am I supposed to go? Is it plant medicine? Do I feel very called towards that? Is it fasting? Is it a wilderness retreat? Is it a community? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and just really dialing in or trying a little bit of each thing and, and f- figuring out what feels right. You know, like I put myself in so many different spiritual communities trying to find my tribe. That's been a really big part of it as well, finding my soul family. And I put myself in all these different situations so that I can find what resonates the most deeply for me. And this feeling of intuition, like this feeling of home, um, those tingles that go all over your body. That's like, for me, when I know that I'm on the right path. Yeah. Oh yeah. I call that the Holy spirit when you get the goosebumps. Oh, yeah. So that's the, that's the thing I'm trying to advocate for is just, yeah. So, which takes me to the next thing, the, the thing behind me here, the float tank. Um, I advocate obviously, because that's what got me started on this journey. I think anybody can really benefit from it because it takes you to that space of stillness, quiet, uh, places that psychedelics can take you. Sometimes they can't because the mind can be so overwhelming in the, in the, obviously the outside world as well. So my journey obviously began in the flow tank and then it led to exploring psychedelics within the flow tank and all, and all the other things that come with, along with it. Have you ever f- tried the float tank before? I, I know, 
I think I tried to get you to do it or maybe you did. I, I don't remember. I just did it for the first time last week. Oh, where'd you go? I went to lift floats in Brooklyn, oh, New York. Very nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a very interesting experience. I mean, I had heard you talk about float tanks so much. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of like breath work inside of it. I screamed a little bit. I let some stuff out of my physical body that was kind of stored up in there. And, you know, like it's a very long time to be sort of like in that silence towards maybe like the last 10 minutes, I was starting to get like a little antsy, like, okay, I think maybe like I've reached my cap, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, very beautiful. Like I felt like I was in a womb, you know, and that was part of my spiritual experience too, was sort of like seeing myself in utero. And that's kind of what it felt like. So just like dialing back into that, like feeling of creation, like being created, being reborn. Um, Yeah, I found it to be a a very cool experience. It was like kind of greasy. Was it supposed to be? Do they put oil in the water? Well, I mean, so it can be a little not off-putting to people, but it can, the viscosity, like it does feel a little bit like motor oil or uh, it can't like like slimy, slimy. And again, it all depends on the the salt content of the tanks. Some of them can have a little bit of salt. Some of them can have a ton. But you'll know by the buoyancy. If your butt is touching the bottom, that shouldn't happen. Um, oh, no, but also, was, or, 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 or yeah, it, it it's was super lit buoyant. with salt. I got like a, some of it in my eye. No good. <laughs> it was oh yeah, that's crazy. my number one rule is don't touch your face. But I'm glad yeah. you got to check out Lyft. That's a, a nicer float center in, in New York. Uh, another thing I noticed going through my Instagram the other night was a lot of these float centers past, I don't know five or six years have just died. They haven't survived the pandemic. It's a hard business. So yeah, shout out to Lyft. Uh, they, they've survived a very difficult few years. Um, it's been difficult for the float industry. So yeah, everybody should get out there and float because again, I think it's the, the, the safest, quickest way to get to that inner space without any drugs, without any kind of like somebody in feeding you information on how to think or what to believe. It's just, you get in there, you're you're naked. You can be naked. I recommend um, a thousand pounds of Epsom salt heated to your skin's temperature about 93 and a half degrees. And then at a certain point, if they do it right, humidity and the water and all that's the right temperature and buoyancy, you shouldn't know where your body ends and the water begins. And that's a very magical place because you realize you are not your body and your mind. And it gets to, it starts to go insanely crazy with, you know, your, you know, deconstruction of belief systems and who you are and it's hard to explain. You have to do it. And I'm glad you did it. And the thing is too, like one float ain't going to be enough for anybody. You know, that's just a little, little, little taste test. You know, you want the whole big bite. So I know it's hard to afford, especially in New York city. Um, but I do recommend it as much as possible because uh, maybe you've noticed this, but when you sacrifice one thing, you, you know, usually your, your cups filled up with some melts. And I also think that's kind of a metaphor. Like you have to like totally empty out your cup of like whatever bad life you were living before, before God wants to refill it. You know, who wants to give you a fresh drink with a bunch of nasty old old stuff at the bottom. So, you know, empty out your cup to receive a new one. So you've been sober now, how long? I just celebrated four years clean on June 1st. My clean date is June 1st, 2019. Wow. Congratulations. That's, uh, I know when you're counting days and weeks and stuff and you, you, you have a setback, it's excruciatingly painful. I couldn't imagine losing four years now. Like, are you ever like sitting there being like, Oh man, like what was your drug of choice when you were really drugging it? 
Well, I, I like to say my drug of no choice because I never had a choice, but right. you know, I had a physical dependency to heroin. So mm-hmm. like that had to be a drug of choice. Um, not because it got me high anymore, just because like, I didn't want to get sick. Right. Um, using, um, but methamphetamine is definitely <laughs> the drug that I would go back if I, I feel like, yeah, if I ever decided, I mean, I, I never would, but like, if, if that ever happened, it would be that drug. That was the drug and LSD, you know, like those yeah. be the combination of all three. You like those but, amphetamines. Uh, methamphetamine definitely yeah. brought me to my knees. It really, it really destroyed my life in such a. Well, you look great. A, you don't look like a, you know, the life you've is, lived and, and we didn't even get into like the trauma and stuff. Like I heard you talk about that on another podcast. Um, which, I mean, obviously, that's a great reason to want to use drugs, you know, to disassociate from painful thoughts and feelings. I can't even imagine, which is, again, like why I'm so happy for you and to see that somebody can go from like one point to like the complete opposite and, yep. bring, and, and bring the blessing. And that's the thing, too. I've learned you can't give somebody you don't have. And I think you're, you're out there giving it because you have it yourself. You know, I, that's why I didn't want to lie and say, oh, I'm sober, uh, you know, to what standard, but you know, I'm not. So I wanted to be honest. And so that's why I find you that much more impressive to, to shake all these things off and to, to actually swim, swim in the community too. Like you're still in the community, like of like spiritual people and drug users. And that can be difficult too. I mean, a lot of that stuff can be triggering. So congratulations on four years. That's a Thank long you time. so much. Yeah, I think the antidote to addiction is connection to other people, to community. So like for me, you know, like my route of recovery is a 12 step fellowship. Accountability. Accountability. And also like the knowledge, you know, like I can learn from people who have been doing this for a long time and, and they can assist me in my daily surrender. You know, like I'm not safe. I'm not safe. I'm not safe from the dis-ease of addiction. Because like, it's always waiting in the wings, you know? Um, So I have to stay vigilant in my spiritual practice, in my recovery, because the second that I let go of like, of that, my my addiction can just swoop in and do whatever it wants um, and and then destroy everything that I've created. So yeah, you know, like I, like for me, I really feel like the antidote to addiction is, is community and connection. And, um, and getting vulnerable and authentic and working the 12 steps. Like if you're somebody who's, who's experiencing a challenge with addiction, the 12 steps are the key. I mean, like just in anything, like you don't even need to be an addict. Like you can, you can be like using the 12 steps as a tool is an amazing transformative experience. And the 12th step, the result of it is a spiritual awakening, whether it comes slow and gradual, or it hits you all at once, you know, like working the steps in a, tw- yeah, in a 12 step program can be profoundly transformative. Fun fact. And I'm sure you know, this, the, uh, founder of AA basically started on an LSD trip. Yes. So again, drugs, you know, encouraging sober behavior, which again is why I, I still stand on the corner and say, you know what guys, maybe, maybe LSD is something you need to look into or maybe yes. not, you know, maybe you're paranoid schizophrenic uh, deep down that don't need to unleash it. <laughs> Well, I mean, everything is just a spiritual sickness. Like Western diagnoses are not, not true. Like, you know, well, oh, I yeah. won't get into all doc, of that. Doc, but- doc, well, outside of like people that put their hands and, 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 and like, you know, my thing is doctors are fortune tellers with a degree, unless they're like mm-hmm. surgeons and stuff, actually getting in there and making things happen physically. Otherwise it's just 
for me, the key is it's all a mentation. Reality is a mentation with no causality. Like that's why miracles are possible. Like if there was causality, there wouldn't be no miracles because what is the causality of a miracle? So if you know miracles are a possibility and you believe in it, like it just, I don't know. There's certain things that just trans shit, like transform you with just like the, just the understanding. The hardest yeah. part I think for AA is the spiritual component of it. Like a higher power, you know, God, a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, you know, atheism, uh, weren't you an atheist before? I all was this? an atheist. And what do you, cool what does that mean to be an atheist by your definition? Well, the, the way that I uh, pursued atheism was a belief in nothing more, you know, that this is just like, oh, this is all happening by happens, mm -hmm. happen chance, like Ch chaos, uh, just, yeah, just like a, a random mishap of the universe. And we all happen to be here. And when we're not here, when that's it, like, that's it, mm -hmm. you know, lights out. Um, and and I, I had that belief system because it helped me cope with, with a lot of different things in my life, you know, um, and, and it's allowed to transform you know, my conception of a higher power that I had when I first started recovery is not the same conception that I have of a higher power today. And that's the really beautiful thing about being part of a 12 step community is that you're practicing spiritual principles. So open-mindedness, like my idea of what the world is can change. I don't have to stay rigid and self-righteous in one view. I can allow the universe to expand with me as I expand. And so my conception has changed. And, um, and you can be an atheist and be part of 12-step fellowship. It's just about turning it over to a power greater than yourself. That doesn't necessarily mean God. I don't call God God, you know, like I believe in a source of energy. I believe that I am a piece of energy sparked from the source of energy. And it just has to be loving and caring and greater than yourself. And for a lot of people, that's just the group. It's just the fellowship, right? Just a community of people that have said that it gets better. I can believe that this other person that it's gotten better when I see like the proof in it, you know, that like their life has transformed, or that they get through difficult situations without using. Do you, do you find now in your post drug life, people are like, I mean, I don't know what your life was prior, like your relationships, maybe people, I know, I don't want to do a lot of business with somebody who's on the edge, you know, drug wise, do you find that people have been accepting and open to it? Or you find that people are like, oh, I don't know, that's Betty. She might, you know, she might regress. Well, I don't have a lot of people in my life anymore from my last life. One of the suggestions when you mm -hmm. enter recovery is to stay away from people, places, and things. And I take all of the suggestions very seriously in my life. So I don't have a lot of people from my past in my life, but you know, I do have some family that I was connected to then that I'm still connected to now. Like um, my cousin, she's my best friend. She's been with me through all of it. And, um, and she sees the transformation and I don't think, you know, she's still like a little apprehensive, like, Oh, you know, like, is everything okay? Um, she like kind of grills me like, really, you don't even like have a drink. And I'm like, no, um, my sister, that relationship has always been very strained. And um, she's like, just beginning to open the door for me to sort of like step in and, and try to develop a relationship with her. Because I, you know, like I did a lot of things to, to hurt her and make her not trust me. And just because I say that, like, I'm clean and sober, and my life has transformed, doesn't mean that the wreckage of my past does still not exist. So, right. you know, I make this universal amends by being of service to other people. And just by being a better person today, there's nothing that I can do about what I did back then. The only thing that I can do now is just continue to be a better person today. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. You want to move away from that old lifestyle. If you want to 
shift. But again, yeah, it's like you said, sometimes God just removes them for you or they change on their own. Like you can apply this to anything too, not just quitting drugs, but, you know, changing your life. You're in a bad relationship or something just, but it's again, like it all comes down to the, you made a leap of faith and you stepped into courage, right? You were living in fear, not saying like a specific fear, but in general, like, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten into David Hawkins and the, like the, the, the rating levels of consciousness, like zero to a thousand yeah. under 200 is fear. And like all these other negatives, yes. grief, anger, a- ap- yes. apathy being the worst yep. one actually, which is I'm famous for being apathetic until I realized it was almost zero on the energetic scale. And then you above 200, you get into like, that's courage, right? You're, you're addressing the problems. You're looking back, you're making amends, blah, blah, blah. And then you, yeah, you continue to grow. You get mental, right? And then you get smarter and then you get into the heart space, which is the most important, I think. Uh, which again, is, yeah, that scale of consciousness is also, you could look at it as like working the journey of the 12 steps as well. Like it's the mm-hmm. same thing. Like you go from desperation to enlightenment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and also, you know, like there are certain drugs that mimic the scale of consciousness as well. You know, like we have a saying about alcohol being liquid courage, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't. So like, you know, people drink and they think that they're courageous, like they're climbing the scale of consciousness subconsciously, like they might not think that, but you know, like it also has this debilitating effect where it brings you all the way back down. Mm-hmm. Um, like once it's no longer there and like the upkeep is impossible. So yeah, yeah. The scale of consciousness definitely is part of the hero's journey as well. Like that's part of that whole cycle of coming back into the ordinary world. Like, right. Um, so what, is, what, yeah. what's your boon then? Okay. So you have, you take the hero's journey. If you finish the hero's journey, you, you come back from the underworld with a boon for us. What's yeah. the, what's the takeaway? What's the, what, what's the offering? Boon. My boon is that my thoughts shape my reality. This is a, an energetic truth that I know. And so, you know, like I can share it with other people, like, how did you get clean? How did you do it? I changed my thoughts. I changed all my thought patterns. I had to reprogram myself and I, I use specific tools to reprogram. I study a course in miracles. It's a metaphysical text. It's a complete Mm -hmm. undoing of self. I work the 12 steps in a 12 step fellowship. You know, like these are things that reprogram me and I stay steadfast in my spiritual practices. So really like the boon for me was being downloaded with the pre-birth plan, knowing that nothing is ever happening to me. It's happening for me and that my thoughts shape my experience. I, I agree. I think there's a, when you say something like that, and again, I get it. And I, I, I understand the way, way to do it. Many, many different ways to do it. Cause apparently there are a bunch of different ways to go about this task, but oh, I forgot what I was going to say, but um, I definitely agree with, that the, 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 the problem is always the nuance, right? It's like, it's not just the mind creating things because if you take that to its extreme, it's like, am I causing the weather? Am I the reason that Trump or, or Biden's in office? Like, and, and you can have these experiences on an asset where it's like, wait a minute, I am the cause of this entire reality. And only I, as the mini God of this reality can change it. And that's how I came to like reconcile with like God or higher self was, wait, wait a minute. It's just the omnipresent, perfect version of me that loves myself why wouldn't i have the best things in mind for me you know if it's it, 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 i was able to recontextualize god as just like the perfect version of myself that wanted nothing but you know the good and righteousness for myself and everyone 
So again, like you go into these spaces, you have these revelations and you try to bring them back and put them into practice. You kind of smooth it out. Um, I'm still always searching for the answers and better methodologies to help myself and other people. So um, I definitely agree with all of that. Like it's all mental, but again, like there is like, if you get into the nuance of it, like the heart, right? Your electromagnetic energy of the heart also coalesces with the mental image, you know, like the whatever mental like thing you're trying to put out there. And then I also think that there, and I don't know if you believe this, perhaps you do, that also with this mind and heart energy coming together, it's also there's other elements, one of them being past life karma, right? You're not fully like getting to choose exactly what you want because there's also a potentially, I'm, I'm not saying this is true, past life debts that we're coming, even though we don't even consciously know what we're doing, and that these things even existed, we're also fulfilling these debts. Do you think that we've come here to do that too? Like to, you know what I yes. mean? Like reality is not just like a free will choice of whatever we want, but also we also have to kind of stick to a kind of, I think that we have free will within a limited space of like, you have to do certain things here. There are waypoints along the way that you do have to hit one way or yeah. the other. Yeah. You know, yeah. Free will is, it's a bit of an illusion. I mean, it's not, there, there's major plot points in the story of your life that you wrote as a soul mm-hmm. before you came here. You know, like I, I'll just talk for myself. I wrote major plot points. I have to hit them no matter what. Now my free will comes into play. Number one, by choosing to come to earth. My free will also comes into play by knowing that I can take twists and turns to get to those plot points. I don't need to go down the linear line that I set for myself in my highest timeline. I can dip down to the lowest timeline back in between, but I will, no matter what, hit those major plot points. I will also hit the partners that I meant, the souls that I meant to experience those plot points with. And the soul can change bodies. Like, have you ever like been in a situation where you kept sort of like meeting the same sort of person over and over again? It's the same soul energy coming oh, to yeah. teach the same soul lesson in a different body. If you oh, miss yeah. the lesson the first time, it'll come and represent itself in another body. That happened with so, X. Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I've dated the same guy with a different jacket quite a few times. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to learn that same lesson over and over again. Um Yeah. So like there's definitely major and past life karma. It is still all part of the agreement. Like one 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 point that sticks out very vividly to me in my own experience was that I saw the moment that I as a soul came into contract with the man who would sexually abuse me as a small child. And we came into this contract with each other in a very loving way. And it was the reason for it was to balance past life karma. In a previous life, I was his abuser. So in this life, we came into contract with each other to balance that previous life. Uh, you know, I, I can get behind that. I, I agree with that to an extent, but I, 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 lots of people don't agree with that. They're like, oh my God, like you can forgive your, you can, you can have this perspective on this person. I get it totally. It's just, Yeah, I I mean, like, you know, when I live in resentment, I live in resentment. Like when I hold something against another person, I also hold myself there as well. Not to say that I don't have resentments. I do. (laughs) You know, like I've got a couple of experiences. But I I think that you're doing the true. That's the true work is what I'm saying. And it's hard for a lot of people to understand from whatever belief system they've come from or experiences they have. But that's the true work is like forgiving like all these people Definitely. knowing I, I forgive from the space of like, these were all children at one point and, you know, yes, for whatever reason that. they were abused or they went, Absolutely. they were fed the wrong kind of like information and they turned into these monsters. But 
you know, all these people were just kids at one point. You know, Hillary Clinton was a kid at one point. Trump was a kid at one point. I try to remember that. And that's how I find forgiveness um, with people that are absolutely considered horrendous like that. Uh, yeah, but that's I really, the, that. but that is the work though. It's like, when you do this high level work of like past life and regression and psychedelics and meditation, you go all these places, you're, you're presented with all kinds of things that may even go against your standard belief systems you were taught. And you have to transcend those things to heal as well. Like you have to maybe form a new uh, view of reality. You know, that, that's what happened to me. I'm sure that's what happened to you in a lot of different ways, you know, but congratulations because it is not easy to do. And uh, it is something, I mean, like I said, I couldn't even go three and a half weeks or whatever without sweet. What about weed? Do you like, do you like weed? Um, no, weed was never like really my thing. One of your things. Uh, yeah, that's I right. really liked hardcore drugs. Although not to say that like I didn't smoke yeah. weed. Of course I was, a, I was a dumpster, dumpster for drugs. I would take anything. Um, but weed is most definitely a drug. And so if you or anybody listening is struggling with that, you know, there's, there's help. Like I, there's lots of people in my 12 step fellowship that that was their drug of choice. And they're in a 12 step fellowship recovering from their addiction to weed. Yeah. Um, just because it's legal doesn't make it okay. Alcohol is also legal and it destroys many people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just something to keep in mind, you know, and um, if you're struggling, reach out to community, other people who know what it's like i couldn't agree more and uh what do you say to people that continue to use drugs for physical pain like they had a car accident their neck is you know not the best like that's kind of my issue is like oh yeah there's a million reasons to stop doing it but every once in a while that you know the pain will come back the the physical pain and i've i've asked god like let me transcend this and let me find a way to like work with this with you know, not be on any substance. So what do you say to people like that, that uh, like, for example, the, I would argue that somebody who is not using pain pills and is using weed is better off, obviously. Now we'd want to be clean, but what do you say to the person that is like in chronic pain and you know, they'd love to be clean, but they also don't want to be in severe pain. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think a lot of the things that have to do with chronic pain are energetic. Um, I agree. And, That's I've been and trying so to find out why I'm still having issues. Really finding your self-worth can heal chronic illness. I mean, like it doesn't sound like it doesn't like make any logical sense. I know it's the most woo-woo bullshit answer, but I know it's 100% right. It really, it, it really is. And so, you know, I would recommend trying to find a healer, find a healer who can help dial into your inner self. If you're having difficulty dialing into it yourself and finding out the root of the pain, because there is an energetic reason behind it. Now, like if you can manage your pain, uh, responsibly, like as a doctor, pers- you know, the thing about mm-hmm. prescribing medicine, even if it is weed, is that like doctors over prescribe medicine. So, you know, like there are holistic remedies to, to dealing with pain. Um, like Eastern worlds have been using different kinds of, of uh, modalities for healing pain for centuries, thousands of years, you know. Um, and if you've exhausted all of those options, I highly recommend like getting in touch with an energetic, an energetic healer it might cost a little bit of money, but it could save you a lot of, you know, like, um, yeah, like pain and, and torment, right. like trying to figure it out on your own, like reach out to somebody that you feel called to reach out to. Can I advocate for somebody? There's this man, his name sure. is Jerome Braggs. He's this amazing energetic healer. And he really takes you through healing chronic illness and pain by finding 
the the energetic reason, like cultivating self-worth, empowerment, like all of these different attributes of ourselves that like we hold in the in the backside of us. And and yeah, he's an amazing man. He's healed himself out of kidney failure, end stage AIDS, cancer, like just at, and yeah, and he's doing the work here to help other people. I just interviewed him for my own podcast and he blew me away. Oh, very cool. What's your yeah. name of your podcast? My podcast is called Explore the Extraordinary. You can oh, that's find your podcast? It. Oh, I thought that's that was somebody podcast. else's. Okay. You can find it on the IONS Videos YouTube. That's the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Um, and yeah, I, I get to, to host a podcast for them. It's very exciting. And I talk to people about all things spiritual. Well, that's what I mean. This is all like the rewards of shifting. Yes. That's what I wanted to, like, I, I see, I saw this a few times with friends in my life that again like god rewarded them you could put it you know i mean not necessarily like higher self like you 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 deserve it you transcended like it's just a consequence of shifting in a way i mean you could say that god rewarded you but i mean there's lots of ways to look at it but congratulations nonetheless it's uh again just like like what do you do all day when you're when you want to do drugs you know like what do you i know you have things you do do and you think about i had, I had a life before we but i'm sometimes i'm like what am i doing or, or maybe i'm just i don't know i don't know how to explain it but I do, know uh, for, it makes sense. I do know for a fact that every time I do psychedelics, they're like, just stop smoking weed. Everything will be great. I'm like, all right. You know, so that's why I haven't really been heavy in the psychedelic world using them because I get come the to a 12 step fellowship. It will help <laughs> just come and try something different. What do I do instead of using drugs all day? I do recovery all day now. You know, I do recovery the same way that I did drugs. I have to replace the energy with something. So now I just choose to do something positive instead. You know, like I was mm -hmm. using drugs before they were bringing me down and that's not everybody's truth. Some people can use drugs and it's not a big deal for them. For me, it was a real big deal. But now I just replace it with spiritual principles. I replace the addiction with spiritual principles. And I do that in a program. I do that with a community of other people. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you, you know, you, you have said one thing that I, I'm, like I said, I'm on an island purposely. Like I want to be alone. I like, like I said, if, if I'm drowning, don't, don't bother. Let me try to fix, let me try to swim out of it myself. Don't throw me the life that's an ego right. manipulation though to keep you disconnected from One source you know because source is in other people you got to connect to discover what it is you know other people are going to have the answers that you can't find yourself source is going to speak through them for you oh and i'm open to that trust me i'm yeah. looking for signs i'm open to the synchronicity source of just life. did <laughs> right so I look head on over to, to a community It'll what help. happens really well, well you know your vibe attracts your tribe when your student right. is ready the teacher appears so i guess the student ain't ready meaning me well uh, no your ego will never be ready your spirit is more than willing so you got to tap into that you know you got to find a way to put your ego to the side and to put all of your insecurities to the side as well that's a big part about i, I think that's what it is I don't, i'm not afraid yeah. of anything i think it's more about like just like looking like a fool you know, like yeah, absolutely. I totally get it. You know, being like, the, 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 the low man on the totem pole, all that, you know, I want to just sit here and chill at the top of the totem pole. Not that either, there might not even be a totem pole just sit here on the ground, but <laughs> it's just been fantastic watching. Uh, I, I almost don't want to change. Right. I almost like being this perpetual character. I think that's part of it too. Like I like, um, it, there, there's a, there's a comfort you know, like you're laying in slop and shit, but it's like, well, it's comfortable. You know, it, it would take more work to get up out of the slop and the shit. 
you know what is so funny it doesn't actually you know like that was that's what, that's that's what the, the mind lie. thinks though that's that's the, that's the lie yeah and and that lie it's it, it's dead like i honestly i use a fraction of the energy to stay clean that i had to use to to live my life in action. oh i know i i'll tell you i can't imagine like it's uh, insane i mean it was a cure all those drugs every job. Day. It's i know a it is just, job being yeah being like just with weed it's like man where are the where are the sales at? What what dispenser am I going to? Do I have enough for next week? I mean, you know what I mean. Like, and then it's you got to do like yeah, it's two or three hard like drugs that. a day. Always... In recovery, it's nothing like that. I literally use the smallest sliver of energy to stay clean that I did to have to have that full time yeah. block of using. That's what was helping for me the past few weeks until I went on this vacation. And again, it was just like it was vacation. And I'm gonna get back on it, but it was just reconciling this as a burden. It's like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. like. It's just costing me a fortune. I don't get high. It doesn't really give me any benefit outside of a little bit of pain reduction and the ability to say, fuck it to, you know, bullshit stuff, which a lot of times you shouldn't do. Um, but then you, you stop using and it's like, oh man, I got all this homework to do now. You know, I got to catch back up. I've been so fun though. It's putting so all these lessons fun. off. Fun. It's so fun. It really is. Like, well, the thing is, the lessons you're, are fun. Decide that they are. Your story from my perspective, because again, I see these podcasts and stuff you've been on. These people don't know. I mean, not that I really knew you before, but I kind of knew like the depths of it. I'm like, wow, this person's on the edge of death here, like on a razor blade every day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm beating myself up over a weed addiction, but there's people out there really with like hardcore. Like, again, I I'm amazed the the human body, like what burger, uh, French fries and Coke and cocaine and heroin and sugar and uh, whatever else jerking off, having sex a million times. You know, it's just amazing what the body can do and still survive and then regenerate and you look great. You know, you don't look like you've been through what you've been through, which which is my big thing with drugs. I'm vain. So I don't try to use drugs that will, you know, destroy me physically. Um, But, you know, I, I, I even had this theory, like one of the reasons I keep smoking weed is it's keeping me, you know, like uh, chilling, you know, like I'm not stressing out. I'm not really pushing myself too hard you know which could be a bad thing mm-hmm. but you know again excuses 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 yes you got a lot of them <laughs> you gotta surrender <laughs> oh I, I, i'm let I'm go good. surrender to it. win it doesn't make any logical sense but really if you surrender like that that's that's where the transformation comes from and you know like admitting your powerlessness and connecting to something bigger than yourself. That is a big part the of it. The only thing that's going to pull you out of this is connecting to source. Nothing else. That's I, it. I agree. Listen, you know, I tell people, if you don't know God, you know, whatever you think God is, you better go find out because none of this stuff is going to help until you do. Because really, I think that's the pull of like all of it, all the whatever muck you're in, whether it's drugs or relationship, that is about bringing you closer to whatever God is source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's using that as an opportunity to bring you closer. Uh, I mean, you're just. And a, yeah. And, and if the word God makes people uncomfortable, you know, like just. Well, yeah. Universe, to your source truest, energy. They're just to your truest self. Higher you know, self. Like to the but, truest version of yourself. Um, because, yeah, it, it can't be this one. It can't be but, one that's like racked in pain and discomfort, you know? Well, I got one more question for you then. This is, I think, what happens to people who choose to be their own. I mean, this is the criticism, at least, from people who choose to play their own God, which is kind of what we're doing here with, you know, reality creation and all these other things. Like, what becomes the moral compass for you then if there's nothing, you know, if they, like, I'm not saying you are 
claiming these things, but you know, the takeaway from acid is you're God. Jesus is saying in the Bible, even the least amongst you is will be greater than me. Like we're part of that same divinity. At a minimum, we have the source code and the light within us to a small degree. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you feel about that. Like, so if you, if, 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 if we are God, if we are, you know, whatever you believe ultimately, where do you derive your sense of morality from? From being aligned with spiritual principles. So acceptance, tolerance, um, unconditional love, honesty, open-mindedness, willingness. Well, yeah, but where um, do you get it from though? I, you know, you could derive these concepts from anywhere. It, it exists. It's all within. I mean, like all I have to do is just point myself in the right direction. That's it. You know? And yeah. And, and, but, 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 but then the people would claim that you're the moral authority. Then that's what, that's what, that's my no, question no. is what these are spiritual principles that have existed for all of time. Like I have not created them. I just live my life by them because it feels more aligned. You can just tell in, inside your body, like what is right and what is wrong. There is a moral compass inside of you. And, I agree with that. And that, I yeah. will claim that moral compass for everybody. For some people doing the wrong, quote unquote, wrong thing is what is for their highest good. Like I could not ever have gotten to where I am today had I not lived by the compass that I had before. My moral compass before pointed me towards hedonism, desperation, depravity. And that was for my highest good. So each person has their own sovereignty. Everyone's on their own individual journey. There's no one to conform or teach or preach or proselytize to. Everybody's going to find their own way, regardless of what we're doing. All that we can do is be a shining light, a testimony to the things that work for us. So I'm a testimony of transformation. I achieved transformation by doing a couple of different things. You have, you've explored all of these different roads of spirituality and you have knowledge about them. You share your pieces of knowledge and that's all that we're here to do. We don't got to tell any, we don't have to convince anybody of anything. We just got to be the shining light. People are meant for us. They'll come find us. Yeah, I agree with that on a one-to-one subjective level, but I also try to like couch these podcasts and this information as like, not only subjective and one to one on one, but like it can be applied to everybody. It uh, we can all understand it. And what I'm trying to, what I'm getting at is like people were working within the moral framework of like, uh, let's say Sharia law. Okay. There are certain rules we all have to follow to have a cohesive and healthy society. And again, like the argument is with not having a moral code, like the Torah, the 10 commandments, Jesus, whatever that you're, you're just playing God and you're, oh, it feels good. I agree. I agree with you. There's like an objective, like vibratory state of like goodness and like morality. And you know it when you, you do it and you don't, but I'm trying to get this message through to people who are a little bit more hard headed with their moral code or what they believe in. And cause again, like I, I can tell that there'll be people listening to this right now and be like, oh, that's just pure Satanism. Just do as thou wilt. There is no higher moral authority than you. So but again, I agree with you having been in that place. I'm trying to reckon what I'm trying to do is just basically reconcile it for the audience. Not don't I'm not trying see, to don't you see how you also have that very rigid view that like that there is like one way that there's one truth? That's very rigid as well. So like you are reflecting those people that you're trying to bring. Well, I down do think there is one, like I do think that there is actually okay. Let me put it this way. There is an objective truth that exists, and we're all seeing like the people that can kind of get it and see it at the higher levels, the 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 prophets and the the avatars, whatever you want to call them. 
they bring that down to their subjective experience through their culture and their timeline, the, 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 the time they existed. What, what, what am I trying to say here? Okay, but let me just say this. The prophets never tried to convince people of things. They okay, let no, their information be known. They, writ, they right. wrote their scriptures, and then that was it. Well, that what, what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm, there's an objective truth that exists, and I, I think we both agree on that. I'm trying to like help people re reconcile the fact that all these religions and spiritual disciplines can basically lead to that same understanding. Like that's what I mean by one truth. When I say there's one truth, we might see something on a hill or it's like, or it's like the example of like the elephant, right? Like there's like blind people touching an elephant. One guy touches the tusk. Oh, this is an elephant. That's the essence of an elephant or uh, the, the, the tail or the foot. That's not, really what an elephant is but it's kind of what it is you kind of got part of the truth there you know what i mean like that's what i'm trying to like bridge the gap between people who get it have had the transcendence the psychedelic understanding and then the people that go to church they follow certain rules or they go to the mosque or whatever and and it, and it kind of serves them good but they're not getting the whole picture uh through through not having personal experience but just understanding and like listening to other people talk about it like okay me and you have seen the thing on the hill. We might describe it differently, but we've seen it. We think we've seen it at least. Now I'm talking about people that haven't seen the thing on the hill and they're listening to people like me or people that people that haven't even seen it. Like maybe a pastor that hasn't really had a transcendent experience, but for whatever reason, he went to school and he's up there on the, on the pulpit. He's explaining something to people that he hasn't even seen is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not attacking anything you're saying. I'm actually agreeing with it. I'm just trying to reconcile for people that haven't been there. Or, when you or, or hold get... people in a vision that they need help, they will always remain helpless. Like if you see people that way, like if you energetically see people as like broken, unaware and needing help, then they will, they'll never be able to transform that view that you see them in because that's how oh, I, 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 I practice that. I agree with you 100%. I'm just, again, like, it's one thing to just go out and live your life and understand these things and keep your mouth shut. But then it's like our position where you're having these experiences, you, you know, they're transformative and you're trying to bring them into the, you know, the consciousness of the masses. You're trying to transcend boundaries of like Islam or, or, or Christianity. Yeah, you don't need to do that because guess what? No, but God, I'm, I'm just saying God's I, got everything under control. God's no, but, got no, a but, plan. but, but yeah, you're right. But I'm a mechanism just like you in this plan. And, and, and maybe somebody that, is on a completely different wavelength comes across mine or your content. And because of. They would how, never, they wouldn't. They wouldn't what? You cannot perceive that with what you are not in vibration with. Like it would never, it just wouldn't happen. I agree with that to a degree. I mean, like I used to think that you were blessed to hear about enlightenment because some people never even hear about the concept, right? They don't even know like what that is. They live in a, and again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everybody knows about it. That's a, that's a judgment too. I try to live 100% judgment-free because I know that creates filters of I'm going to miss something because I'm judging it a certain way. I'm completely blocking myself from seeing the actual true picture. I'm in that space. I'm but really you're judging people who believe in organized religion. That's like what you have just been talking no, no, about. No, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm, I'm telling you what I'm, what I come up against. I don't judge them. I'm just telling you, like when you put information out, people come back out with you, come back, no matter how you couch it, at least in my experience, they come back at you with their own, 
well, well, no, because it's this way. The Bible right, says this. Or it's where the they truth. are, you know, like I've had I, people say crazy things. To right. Me too. I have I no problem with that. I'm just, away with love, you know, That's I'm just it. trying to say why, why I ask the questions I ask and why the interview okay. is the way it is. It's, it's not about, like, I get it. Me, you could have a conversation where it's like, oh yeah, vibrations and we're high-fiving and reality creation. We, we all get it, but I'm trying to help people that haven't even haven't approached these subjects or they, they shit on them or they might think there's something to it, but they haven't heard enough people talk about it. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing's perspective though. I mean, nothing's wasted. Nothing's wasted. Even if I sit here and talk about, you know, something that me and you 100% know about, it's me asking these little side questions that I want to get that person in the audience that's on the fence or from a different perspective. Like, you know, I want you to know that I'm 100% open to everything. You know, I'll I'll examine it. I'll, I'll, I'll test the, the weight of it spiritually. If it, if it resonates, if it gets the goosebumps going, I don't disagree with anything you're saying at all. I, I, and I applaud you. I, I think you've mastered it like beyond me, right? You're actually applying it and you're succeeding with it. So I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying like what I've come in. And, and again, maybe I'm, I need to transcend belief systems that I'm creating a, a mirror of an audience here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, that, but that's part of the fun. That's part of the journey. See if, see if something changes, just give it a go. And yeah. if it doesn't, then all right, go back to doing what you were doing, but just try something different just for a little while. Yeah. yeah. See what happens but fantastic talking to you yes. today i'm and, very uh, grateful for this space thank you oh you're always you know i saw you doing really good i said let's let's have her on because uh, i do think people reach a point where they haven't mastered it and they can't give it which is what i said before you can't give something you don't already have and so i could talk about a lot of things but i don't you know have the, have them uh, at the core of my being but you do you know you have sat in this space you've you've mastered the concepts you've applied them you own them and now you can give them away so congratulations on it i'm not mastered in anything but thank you for that thank you for that well uh, a a relative state of mastery then let's put it that way i'm Um, on i'm on a learning journey just like everybody else sometimes i can apply it in my life and sometimes i can't and that's part of the human experience is the duality and the ups and downs but I appreciate your words of affirmation and I look forward to being part of your recovery journey with you. Well, thank you. I, I, that's the other thing. Sometimes I have a little bit of issues with like the wording. Like, I don't want to be like a recovering addict forever. I'm just me. You know, I don't want to have that any kind of like you just be a person in recovery. You don't have to be. An well, addict. no, I don't even want that. I don't want that word. Either. I don't like that word recovery. It just bothers me. And like again, it? It, oh, yeah. it, well, no, your it's addiction good... is real strong with you, buddy. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like, I, I know, I know the triggering. I know how these things work. Yeah. And again, like I have my own issues. I'm not perfect, obviously. And these things pop their heads up and they trigger me. And I know that's where I need to work. Right. I don't like the right. word recovery at all. I hate, I hate it. I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. It's a much cooler word when you're in it. I guess so. <laughs> you know? It sounds yeah. cringe. It sounds cringe from this side of the, yeah. of the wall. But, well, I'm also uh, in recovery from my old thought system. If I right. can look at it that way, you know, like well, that, that, that's what I, I did. My, my computer is in recovery mode, the same way an actual desktop would be in recovery mode. You know, right. like, that's, that's another, a, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah that's kind of what I did with the past five or six years, which was just try to get behind the panel, figure out where the wires are crossed, yes. try to fix things. And yeah, as I put it all back together, I, I, I find that weed is this lingering thing. And again, like, it's not that big of a deal, but I always say like, look, I can have one beer and I won't think about it for a week. I won't care. I have one joint. I'm give me that next one. Right. Can I get, Obsession can I get, and compulsion. Yeah. Can I get, a, can I get another one tomorrow? And the physical act. 
some people can, some people can't. So right. I don't, I don't judge anybody's addiction. Okay. So it's, it's, if you got problems, maybe do something about it. Maybe not let it destroy you. Um, but, Alchemize, um, go ahead, get down to the bottom of rock bottom and come fly up on the trampoline to heaven with us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Anything yeah, you want to promote you. here before we. Yeah. Uh, if anybody, especially if you're looking for support with recovery or spiritual awakening, if you're having some kind of spiritual emergency, please reach out to me. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. My handle is Buddha Betty on all of those uh, platforms. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next leg of the journey is. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for this space. It's really cool to connect with somebody who saw me in the mess, like saw me in the trauma and can now see me in the triumph. So if it's possible for me, it's literally possible for anybody. I am no more special than anyone else. We are all infinitely special. That's what I always say too. If I can do it, anybody can. And yeah, the the transformation has been fantastic. Like literally, you know, imagine a drug addict uh, on their last legs and then look at her now and you can see it's like glowing smiling you're not negative i've been negative a lot not not a purposefully but you know kind of a little bit negative um you know one of my prayers is i can be a happy calm put together i'm not not that i'm not happy and stuff but you know what i mean like just generally excited about living and there's mm-hmm. no like carrot in front of me like oh get that weed later you'll be happy yeah right. it's just to see you genuinely the real mccoy authentic true healing and and yeah and honesty too like so that's another i mean i think you take it for granted like i do but you're a very honest person i am it's, which a, is, it's uh, a skill it's, not, it's something that has to be cultivated i used to be a total liar and manipulator it's just a daily practice of practicing those spiritual principles honesty open-mindedness willingness allowing those things into my life every day all and right. it's like a muscle, you know, it's a spiritual it muscles, you know, you got to build your spiritual body the same way that you build your physical body. You got to, yeah, always be working out. 100%. Well, yeah. that's words of wisdom from Buddha Betty, not Boogie, although she did Boogie before. <laughs> she is not boogieing anymore. She is clean and sober. Good to see it. Like, and like, you can change your life, folks. You really can. I, I've seen it many times over. She's another perfect example. You can be in the deepest, darkest dungeon and then look at you, just beaming, shining light of hope. All right. Well, like the rest of y'all, you are enlightened. Thank you, uh, Buddha Betty. Check her out. Find her on Instagram. Listen to the other podcast. She gets into it a lot more. Me and her have a little uh, online relationship for a couple of years now. And again, it's been awesome. I've kind of felt like I've stayed pretty much the same. Like a lot of my shifting happened before i met you Uh, but it's good to see you out there uh flying the sober flag for the people so go check her out betty you are online thank you so much
Try to make me go to rehab. I say it no, no, no. 